Hey, what's up there, Warrior? It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 395. All right, let's talk Ukraine. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, welcome back there, Warriors. It is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. And, you know, I really didn't really didn't plan on jumping in on the whole Ukraine bandwagon and, and joining all the talking heads that are out there. Because, frankly, when, when I look at the news, it's all just a bunch of bullshit anyway. Like, it's, it depends on which station you're, you're looking at, but it, they all just make it political. If you watch Fox News, it's all about how you know, how weak Biden is or how whatever Biden is. If you look at the left side, MSNBC or see any, any of the other networks on the left, it's just, you know, it's all about the trials and tribulations of the Ukrainian citizens and um, how we need to be strong. You know, it's, it's, it's all just bullshit. It's all just bullshit. And, and the only reason I decided to actually talk about this topic is because I care about the safety of you and your family. And there are some things here that are not going to be covered in the news that are things that you really have to take into account right now. Because I can tell you that I feel like we are have never been closer to an all-out collapse than we are at this moment and in the very near future. And I don't say that as like a conspiracy theorist. Those people that have been following my work for a long time know that I take a very practical approach. I focus in on facts. I don't look for the zombies coming out of the ground. And I also don't fall into the political norms that most people try to just spin off of for the sake of creating fear porn to make sales of stuff. What I care about is my family's safety and your safety. And so... I decided that there are some real lessons here for us to take away from what's happening in Ukraine, in both geopolitically as well as with the people of Ukraine, and some threats that are looming in front of us that you really need to start taking action on right now. So I want to talk about what some of those things are, and then also exactly what you can do about them. So the threats as well as what you can do. And I can promise, like, first of all, I am... I'm probably going to drop some F-bombs in here just because this is another one of those rant podcasts that I do sometimes when I've just had enough and it's like, okay, I've I've got to do something here. And I'm really going to try hard not to get into the politics of it all because we don't we do not do that at Warrior Life. Survival is everybody's right. And I promise that I will piss off both the left and the right because of the insane failures of every single administration to, to look at anywhere beyond their fake campaign promises and they're pandering to the American people by trying to give them two syllable sound bites that they can all chomp onto that is going to get them elected in the next election and take care of all their donors. And never mind, I'm, I'm going to start going down that road and I, and I promise you I'll piss off both the left and the right. So I'm going to try and stay out of those woods right now, but we look at the situation right now and I'm not, and this is, this could change tomorrow. So right now though, there are some things that we can see that's happening there. First of all, I don't I don't see Russia ever backing down from this. Russia is going to take Ukraine unless some miracle happens and we find a compromise where we promise that you do, Ukraine won't join NATO, which which could happen, right? Um 
and the effects that we're seeing now, they are going to be long term. Like this isn't just going to end with a surrender or a takeover. Like this is now we're entering in another era of like Cold War type showdowns because this isn't going away. It's not like before where Russia would like throw some tanks in over the border and whoops, oh, we pull them back out and just as a show of force, like this is not going to go away. And the effects that we feel could be felt here in the United States. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a month from now. It could be a year from now. It could never happen. I don't have a crystal ball, but I do want to look at the lessons that you and I need to start doing based upon these threats to be more prepared. And we're talking both like the geopolitical chess playing that's going on out there as well as what's happening to civilians in Ukraine right now. All of these have an effect on our future. So first, let's talk about the threats. So for long-term threats, one of the biggest things that we need to keep keep an eye on is the shifting of alliances internationally in the geopolitical realm and of the U.S. dollar. So economic sanctions and freezing international funds of Russia – one, it shows everybody just how finicky our world financial system can be that, you know, with a push of a button, we can generally just cut off entire like revenue lines to countries. And that's kind of scary for everybody. I think with that kind of power of where we can just, nope, you don't matter anymore. And we can just shut things down like that. One, I, you know, we haven't really seen that work all that well with like just surrenders. And I think that's what everybody is looking for here is like, okay, we, sorry, you know, for, for cutting off our, our money. Um, we're going to pull out now. And I think every, we always look for those things, but they can help keep countries in check. That's fine. Like we can, you know, it, it worked for a little bit for Iran and like it, it can be used as a tool. It is also kind of scary that there is that kind of power out there. And we have that kind of power even within the United States where where accounts can be frozen. So that kind of totalitarianism, if you will, um, I think is kind of a wake-up call for everybody. But it did not have the effect that I think people were hoping it was going to have on Putin. It didn't, it didn't stop everything. So what does that do? It forced, didn't force him to, to back down. So where does he go? Well, went to China. And right now, the U.S. dollar is, is still the ruling currency around the world, right? But that's rapidly changing. And we've been helping it along year after year after year with things like the trade war that was supposedly against China during Trump's administration. I can tell you that that hurt American businesses way more than it hit China. I know that from from experience and from talking with people that are out there in the manufacturing world, especially in like the tactical industry and stuff, is that 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 was not people the American people thought that that was like money that that China had to pay. It wasn't. It was it was stuff that American businesses had to pay for a demographic that does not want to pay the money that it would take to manufacture things like in the United States. It's just, it's not even in the same, it's not even possible with some of these things. And so the U.S. dollar is currently still the ruling currency around the world, but that is rapidly changing. When we switched from a gold-backed dollar to like our current status where we just basically print out money at will, 
the only thing that gives a dollar its real power since it's not backed by gold anymore is two things, use and confidence. And I say use because since it was established around the world for trade, it has the highest circulation out there. Like obviously if, if everybody, if people are buying oil with us dollars and oils being sold around the world, imported, exported, then that's going to give high circulation to the U S dollar. It's going to give the, and like, it's just established right now. That in and of itself is changing in the trade world, partially by the trade war that happened. Because when that happened, when we started our trade war with China, what did it do? It pushed Russia and China together because Russia said, hey, hey um, the U.S. Is, in, is, um, is trying to cut down your production and their imports and everything. So we'll buy that stuff. And so that forced the two of them together. The other thing that's happening there is that China is starting to more and more establish the yuan as the standard for international currency going forward. And it's happening in several different areas, like Saudi Arabia is one. Like China and Saudi Arabia are in talks where instead of accepting U.S. dollars from China for buying, buying oil, Saudi Arabia is looking to accept the yuan. That should scare the hell out of everybody because when that happens – that's going to be a major shift where China now has a strong foothold of the yuan being converted over where it's going to start taking the place, especially between Russia and China, because Russia starts accepting yuan as well. We've got another foothold there. So everybody's going to start looking out for themselves. And that very well could become the next and most likely is going to become the next reserve currency that's going to be out there. I don't know how long it's going to take for that to happen, but but you know, that's, that is headed. Like the dollar is dying. The yuan is picking up steam, but confidence is the kicker here. And it could be for the yuan as well as for the U S dollar. But speaking specifically about the U S dollar confidence is created when the owner of that currency has political and financial stability. Now, China has kind of the same problems there with, you know, potential political instability and potential financial stability because they haven't been able to to in the short term be able to kind of raise up to to new levels of of progress this is kind of a little bit of uncharted territory out there because of their mass production ability but we've never really seen like like nobody else has had that so they're kind of in in charted waters there and they have their own things that they wrestle with there but they're playing for the long game they are basically buying up africa and that is, I mean, they're they're basically going to own Africa. It's not going to be long before they own all of that, which is going to give them ports on both the East Coast and the West Coast of Africa that they're going to be able to use for both trade as well as militarily if they wanted to. But essentially, they have been lending money to to Africa for infrastructure because that's what Africa needs and China's willing to give it. And so that's going to establish a stronger foothold for the Yuan and for China's just foothold in the world and all of those natural those natural resources from Africa are going to belong to China for production. So so they've really got they're they're playing in the long game here. And for us for the US dollar that confidence that's created by political and financial stability, well, we can't even pay our bills. Let's face it. We can't pay our bills. So we print out the money and that confidence right there, like the only reason we can, we can 
we can print out money is based upon the confidence that we're going to be able to pay those bills in the future. So it's just like for you and I, if we if we can't pay our bills and we get another credit card, the reason why that credit card company gives us another another credit card is because they're thinking that we're going to make the payments and they're going to make money off of us. And but if we default on everything, then they lose money. Right. So you can be turned down for credit cards. Well, we haven't been turned down just yet, but that could change. Like if we can't if we can't sell our treasuries, if nobody wants to buy them, then we're not going to we're not going to have that money. Look, I know a lot of you out there can talk circles around me in the financial world. I, I'm a relatively a financial nitwit, except when it comes to the threats that we have. And the demise of the dollar is a very real threat that we have. An economic meltdown is absolutely one of the things that could change life as we know it overnight. And everything that we're seeing right now can also speed this up. The other thing that gives us, like the US dollar, the confidence is our, our military ability to be able to defend like our financial stability. And as we know, we've been spending all of our money over fighting in Afghanistan, and that's not where China and Russia have been putting their dollars. They've been putting it into something else. And I'm going to go into that here in just a minute. But with that loss of confidence in the US dollar, and it's not being used as much, we could see a massive shift from being able to sell our treasuries in order to keep our spending afloat. So now we see hyperinflation, and we see a worse, we could see a calling in of those notes that we're supposed to pay out, and that could lead to a run on the banks and a true economic meltdown here in the United States. So we need to understand that the U.S. dollar is dying, and that doesn't mean it's going to completely die, but we're going to see massive shifts there, and we don't really know. I think you know, there's there's just there's a lot of talk, but there are there are threats there. But I think that's why we're, that is why we're seeing a shifting away from the U.S. dollar internationally and the things more like the yuan and digital currencies because all the things that make those things um, give it the stability and give it the dependability in the future, like those things we're losing and the others like they're picking up. All right, so now let's talk about today's most immediate threat. So people were kind of shocked at the weakness of Putin's ground war, right? They, they, There's like, oh, he's really not so tough after all. But he hasn't backed down. And again, Ukraine will fall unless there's some miracle compromise that's, that's here. But like, it's not going to be like the people of Ukraine are going to rise up and they're going to throw stones and they're going to knock the tanks back over the border. That's not going to happen. So Putin has already said, if he's attacked, that we will see a response never before seen in history. Well, what does that mean? Like, and, and, I, and I believe that that was meant very literally. I believe that was meant because they know where their cards are. They know where their cards are and they are not showing all of their cards. They know that we know what their cards are, but they're not going to come out and just say it because they're smart like that. You know, Biden made the, the gig and I'm trying not to get political here, but Biden made a huge mistake of announcing that we were sending over our cyber warfare specialists, that we're going to be working with the Ukraine and that, hey, we're going to help them. We're not going to send American troops, but we're going to send some we're going to send some peace shooters over there and we are going to send our cyber warfare people. and We're going to send some drones and stuff just, you know, as a show of force. But also he just announced that basically that there's we have cyber warfare people there. And when have we ever when have we ever done that? When have we ever said, hey, if you're attacked cyber warfare wise, it was us it, over here. It's us. 
Like nobody does that. That's freaking stupid. What you do is you deny plausibility. You deny that you do it. Look at, look at anybody. I mean, look at Putin. <laughs> we know Putin meddled in the 2016 elections. There's like the investigations were done. The proof is all there. And Putin said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, we did not do that. And even what, what convinced what Trump to stand right. I mean, their little bromance up there on stage about like, you know, when, 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 when asked, you know, Hey, Trump did, do you think that Russia meddled in the election? It's like, no, he, he said he didn't do it. And I, and I don't, I don't know why he would do it. Oh my God. You gotta be kidding me. Like everybody knows that he did it. All the proof was there. You deny plausibility for that exact reason. Because everybody's going to do what they need to, to be able to keep what they need going. If you can't, you know, even with proof, he was still just able to say, no, he didn't do it. And there was no, there was no strength here to be able to hold him accountable for that because it worked out in the favor of the ruling administration. That, that shifts every single administration. People look the other way when it benefits them. I told you I was going to piss off both the left and the right, but that's, but that's the facts folks. And that should scare the hell out of everybody because that means we're not dealing with the truth out there. We're not dealing with the truth in the media. We're not dealing with the truth with politicians. We're not dealing with the truth geopolitically, but it has to do with you. Like where does the rubber meet the road? So let me talk about that because Putin's response of never before seen in history and it being taken literally, what is the worst that he could do? What is the worst that he could do? Well, let me tell you what the worst is he could do. Putin realized a long time ago that the future of war isn't on the ground. He knew if he was ever going to take on NATO and the United States, it wasn't going to be by putting tanks out there. In fact, it's not even nuclear. Like the U.S. and, and Russia have about the same nuclear stronghold, right? Thank you, Cold War. But China has barely any nuclear stronghold compared with Russia, and they're all held in reserves right now. I mean, in fact, they have just a, a wee bit more than France, if you believe that. Because even they understand that the future of warfare is in cyber. And Russia has been putting all of their dollars into the future of war. And anybody who has attended my free survival masterclass knows that one of the biggest threats that we face as a nation is a grid down blackout on a wide scale because we know that our, well, a couple things. One, we know that our interlocked grid within the United States, we have like different patches of, of these vast networks. And as we become more smart power um, enabled and, and integrated, we become more dependent upon computer systems and, and everything to keep it going. Like it's, it's not well integrated. And we've known this forever. That's why, I, like recently, when the talk of cyber warfare and and Russia's ability to attack the United States with a cyber attack, um, you know, it's brought out these talking heads from the government that are saying, "Well, you know, it's a it's a heavy rock to move," or, you know, "Yeah, we need to we need to do more." We've known that we need to do more forever. Nobody is doing anything about it. We're holding meetings. There's bureaucrat. There's bureaucracies. There's regulations that limit stuff. It's like all this all this bureaucracy keeps us from actually protecting the things that we need 
to protect. And the CIA has warned this is what keeps them up at night. So when our intelligence community says that all the signs are there, that we could fit that if we were to have a, a nationwide blackout that goes on for a long period of time because the equipment that would be needed to fix that from an EMP attack, from nuclear, or even just a cyber attack from Russia, like that's going to take at least a year because all those things are made in Europe. And so Putin also has the ability to blast Europe. So could use a, an, an EMP round over uh, Brussels and knock out wide swaths of Europe in the electrical grid. And so it could be longer than a year before we ever get our electrical grid back up and running. Now, that is a, a doomsday type event. The CIA, the CIA has warned that if that happens, 90% of the American population would be dead within a year because of famine, disease, and essentially the civil unrest where people are just feeding on each other for resources. Everybody's fighting to survive and people are going to kill people and there's nothing they're going to be able to do about it. It's just going to be a wide scale disaster. And the government hasn't done anything to really strengthen our networks. And the other thing that has to be taken notice of here is that the government already knows that Russia has the ability right now to switch the lights off today. Today. They could do it at any moment. And we know that, and they've admitted that. And when asked, well, why, why haven't they done it? The response has been, we don't know. We believe that they're just waiting for the right time. And it has not been the right time. It's not just like, hey, we can turn off the United States, flip the switch. No, because of all the, the because of the domino effect that happens because of that. You've got to wait for that domino effect to work in your favor. So if we push things too far here, defending this country, right? Because we want, you know, why? Why? Because it's right? Because we want to wear the white hat? Because we want to get missiles that close? Like if we can get Ukraine into NATO, we can get missiles that close to Russia? If Russia can join with China and get a free pass from them, if the world is no longer as dependent upon the U.S. dollar as we have been, those dominoes can fall toward Russia. There's, I mean, and I, and I know it's much deeper than that. Like we can get down the rabbit hole on that, but nonetheless, we could be setting up a situation where those dominoes, yeah, it's okay for them to fall. And because we have already, because Biden stupidly told them, yep, we have cyber. If there's an attack in Russia with a cyber warfare attack, who are they going to blame? The Ukrainians? No. We already said to them, hey, we have our cyber warfare specialists working with the Ukrainians. It's not going to be the Ukrainians. They, they're already going to own Ukraine. It's going to be the United States that is going to be the one where the finger is pointing. They're going to blame us. And that's where we could see. And Biden's already telling all the businesses to get, you know, bolster up your, your, um, your security because that could happen. Well, no shit. No shit. Now, when that happens, now let's talk about the realities on the ground and some of the things that you may see if things really do turn that bad. If we do really do go to World War III levels here, 
We can look and see what's happening right now over in the Ukraine and the things that people are going through because Biden hasn't backed down on his attacks of civilians. He has doubled down on those attacks and still nothing's being done. So let's look at what's happening over there with the people because the, we often look at the, them like, oh, well, those are people way over there. They're like, I don't know, it's like we use the movies for our examples of, who, of, of, of different societies because they're not as advanced as, as we are. They don't have the glitz and the glam of, of Hollywood or, or whatever, right? No, they're people just like you and me. They're humans. And what happens is people will do anything to survive. I don't care if you are an Oscar award-winning movie star or you are a cabbage seller on the streets of of whatever other nation is out there, right? That where you're selling cabbages on the street. People are going to do anything that they can to survive. And Putin is basically using and I the the same strategy that's been used and effective for thousands of years just of siege. It was something that I talk about like in the military, I was part of an experimental program called Deep Cell, which was all about how do you cut off the enemy from supply. The first time we used it was during uh, Desert, uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm. What we found is that all we needed to do was starve the soldiers on the front lines and they came out with their hands up. Well, all you have to do is put siege on a city and cut off any of their infrastructure and resupply of food and things like that. And the people will give up. And so they're fleeing right now where they, where they can, like out of, um, out of like cities like Mirapol. Uh, and we're going to see more of that. But what we're seeing on the ground there is that Ukrainians are coming out because they're all huddled in like from, because they're being shelled in their cities. So they're huddled into basements in the freezing cold and there's no food supply. There's not enough food for everybody. People are dying of sepsis and infections because there's no medical facilities that they can go to or there's no there's no first responders out there. And when they do go outside to try and find food, they're finding a carrot here, cabbage there. But they're also eating stray dogs because people will do anything to survive. Now, speaking of dogs, the other thing that you see when you go out there is that there's corpses everywhere. And guess what? Dogs have become feral and they are eating the corpses in the streets. Sorry to get so visual with you, but these are things that you will see because dogs are a very real threat and a collapse. And we saw this even during like when Russia had the Olympics and they basically ousted people out of like, hey, we're building an Olympic village here. Y'all need to get out. They just basically just kicked them out of their homes. And then just leveled everything and made Olympic Village. But what happened in that process were that the dogs of those families were left behind. One of the biggest threats that Russia had before, you know, for, for tourists coming out and for people coming out to, to spend money there was that there were these packs of feral dogs that were family pets that were left behind. And dogs are pack animals. They are wolves at heart. And so they will band together. They will pack together and they will become wild again. They will, they will do anything to survive also, including eating people, attacking people. You can be prey. So that's one of the things that in a true collapse, feral dogs are a very real threat. 
everybody is going to want to survive and they're they're no they're no different the other thing we see on the ground there is that refugees walk i think there's something like 10 million people have been displaced out of their homes there and some people have been shipped off to camps in russia we the the exact number we don't know i've heard as high as like 62,000 people are being put in labor camps in russia that were ukrainian citizens i've also heard a thousand so where that number is i'm not really not really sure but nonetheless, could you see things like that here? I mean, we've talked about how FEMA um, has plan, or the government has plans for FEMA camps around the country. Now, the conspiracy theorists will say that that's to round up preppers and you know anybody the the um, the hard right and um, and put them all into the no. What it is is for because we know we've known for a long time our fragility as a society when. All of the things that I talk about, like in the survival masterclass of things that really could collapse our society, they know that this can be mass pandemonium because our entire, our society is too dependent upon the system working for food supply, for, for sanitation, for water supply, and that there is going to be no rule of law. In order to maintain that rule of law, you need a place to put people. So these FEMA camps are a place where they can do food distribution, water distribution. So it's a way that you can take care of the populace, but also have detention areas where you can hold the people like that are when there's protests because the government's not taking care of me enough or people are rioting and looting that we have a place to put them. That's the reason why we have these the ability to put camps all over the place. And so we're seeing that now, like in Russia, where they where do they put people? They're fleeing. They need, you know, whatever. Like there's also political reasons that they're doing all that stuff. But nonetheless, what we can see there is that this massive displacement and we can see that same thing here in the United States. And when that happens, especially if we're talking about like a grid down blackout, like the threat that I'm talking about, well, there's no, there's no, I mean, refugees in, in the Ukraine got in their vehicles, they drove toward the borders where they were going to be allowed to cross over and their cars stalled because there's no gas. There wasn't enough gas and they starved because there's not enough food. That was the big thing was trying to just get food out to them because people were walking, they were expending energy, they their their vehicles were broken down. Some people just stayed with their cars because that was their shelter. Other people just got out of their cars and they started hoofing it. And ultimately, that might be that's why we say like the, the bug out bag is the core of everything that goes into your survival plan because ultimately you have to be prepared for the worst thing to happen. And that is exactly what happened in Ukraine. Refugees walked, walked to the border, mile after mile after mile. There was no gas. There was no transportation. So how are you going to travel if you're forced to leave your home because you don't have supplies, because there is no food resupply, there's no water, there's no electricity? If you have to leave, I mean, they're leaving because of war hitting their city. What if the area that you live in becomes uninhabitable for whatever reason that might be? Maybe it's just that, maybe it's just civil unrest that's in your area. Maybe it's it, any time that it's safer to be somewhere else, your home may not be the safest place to be, right? So any place, any way that it, 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 anything that makes it where it's not the safest place to be means that you're, you're leaving and you could be walking. So now, so those are all the things that, that we see now, now what do you need to do about it? Okay. So your first step here, your first assignment is to role play. Like we did this in the army. This is how we start every mission. This is how we plan. We role play. 
We have a sand table. We we make this diagram of our of of the entire mission to look like where we're going to be going. We have 3D imaging. We have all sorts of things nowadays that that show us like, okay, let's look at all the the possibilities, look at the eventualities. What what troops do we need? We have an operations order, right? It's a very strict guideline for how we prepare for every single mission. And that's the same exact way that I look at survival. So your first step is to role play your mission. So imagine right now that you and your family are Ukrainians right here, right now, and your power goes out. You have no additional food. You have no water. You have no cash because you can't get to the ATM machine. So what you have in your pocket or in your house is it. You have no fuel. You have no heat and it's cold outside. You have nothing other than what you have right this minute as you're listening to my voice. If everything was shut off, what preparedness gaps would you personally be facing? I want you to think about that. If, if all you have is what you have right now, where are your gaps? What's the first thing that you and your family are going to face as a challenge? That is where you start. That's where you start. That is your next move. So for some considerations, what about your food supply? Most people only have about three days of food at home, right? Well, maybe you have a garden. Maybe you have, you have dry goods um, in, in bulk, in a cellar or a pantry or something like that. What if you have to leave your home? How portable is your food supply? So you might have a false sense of confidence because you have a lot of food that's saved there, but how portable is If you have to take that with you, what can you get into the car? What can you put into your bug out bag? If you had to move, your garden is not going to come with you. If you have to use your feet, you're not carrying a sack of flour with you. That's why survival food like freeze-dried foods and, and, and uh, things like that are, are a lot more beneficial. What are you going to do for clean, drinkable water? Because carrying water is heavy and you might not, again, you might be able to get some water into your vehicle, but what are you going to carry on foot? What you need is a means to be able to create You have to generate instant, clean, drinkable water using some sort of a portable filtration system that you can take with you. That can work both at home. It can work work out on the road. It can work out on a trail. But you need a means to be able to generate your own clean, drinkable water so that you don't have to go to those FEMA camps for, for food and water because that's the only place you can get it. You can't be dependent upon the system. You have to be independent. You have to be self reliant. Next, I want you to think about what your absolute necessities are that you need, your own personal necessities that you're not stocked up on right now. So maybe it's medications that you're on that you absolutely need every single day. Maybe it is, um, you know, what about fuel for you to be able to use in your vehicle? Do you have any stocked away? Do you have any stored? Um, If you have a child, baby food, you know, you're not going to be like, crushing acorns and feeding your baby that right like so do you have a means to be able to feed a small baby or diapers or 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 anything like that but start looking at what are the personal things that you rely on as a necessity and where are you at with being able to use that if you can't get to a grocery store because there are no grocery stores if you can't get to the pharmacy because there is no pharmacy now what are some basic medical skills that you have 
because you may be the only doctor that you and your family can rely on. If either the hospitals are overrun because that they are going to be in, in any sort of like a grid down collapse, there is going to be, there are going to be problems. There are going to be injuries and it happens in disasters too, right? So it doesn't matter, but some basic medical skills can go a long way for you. Even if it's just a reference guide, even if it's just a book you can look at that you can understand how to take care of something that's going to, that's going to make sure that you can survive something, even if it's a disaster, right? Like you at least have some basic supplies there. Inside of the Warrior Life Academy, um, we have this thing called Quick Wins. And so it's one of the, um, it's basically a way to get your own personal questions answered by somebody in our ex- expert network. And it's like, it's done through video chat and things like that. And we had a really good question by, um, by David that went in about like um, field expedient suturings, like zip stitch and things like that. If you're in a disaster or if you get injured and especially in disaster environments, because there are so many toxins that could be in the environment there, but you're, you're looking at infection. So if you have open wounds, especially something that has to be sewn up, if you need stitches, well, you might not be able to get to a doctor. So that's something that that's why, you know, suturing is actually one of the the most requested classes when it comes to medical skills that are out there. But there are field expedient things that you can do there as well. Um, Yes, even you that are very, very simple. It was one of the things that um, David got back as his response were field expedient things that anybody can use to be able to close up open wounds, even in a disaster environment. But the whole point here is that you need basic medical supplies. You might be the only thing keeping your family alive in a crisis. And then finally, what I'll talk about is, you know, you want to consider who is your team, because in any sort of a crisis like this, you start to band together. I mean, that's what's happening in Ukraine right now also, is that people are are working, trying to work together for the betterment of everybody. I can tell you that there's, I, I know, because I've seen in an, I've seen this in environments in combat where there was no infrastructure, because the combat that I was in were in very progressive modern cities that where it was, the people was the threat. It was, it was the everyday schmoes. It's not... The, the gangs that are out there, it's your neighbors. It's the people that are, will do anything to survive and how people will turn on one another. So you need people that are going to protect one another. So you should consider who your survival team is and who would you work with to protect each other as the world crumbles around you. And we just did, this was actually, because um, we do in-depth, uh, inside of the academy, we do in-depth monthly training as well. And the last one that we just had, was about how do you build a survival team? And it was a real eye-opener, I think, for a lot of people because it's not like all this, it's not the the type of survival team that a lot of these armchair preppers out there want to spout off about that's all just like basically, you know, zombie survival bullshit that they've, you know, they read in some other stupid, stupid guide. Like it's not what people think it is. In fact, there's some realities to it that I think people don't think about and it'll be the downfall. Absolutely. So it'll absolutely be the downfall of people. People don't really understand the whole concept of it. So that's why we did it. We do in, we did in-depth training on that inside of the academy. If you're, if you're listening to this and you are an academy member, make sure that you go and check that out. Cause we've had really good feedback on that. And, um, and there's, and the mini mission for this month. So we gamify each one of these trainings with, with, um, with tasks and how to put the training into actual use. How do we make it practical for people? And then we do a giveaway at the end of the month for the people that complete all of those tasks. They're simple, but they're very, very effective. They take things from training 
and put it into actual use out there. And it rewards you for that as well. So, so look at what your survival team is. Start with your family and then branch out from there. What would you need in order to fill in any gaps that you could use to be able to protect yourself and help sustain the survivability of you and your family? All right. So those are some very simple things that you can do right now based upon very real threats that are happening that we're seeing on the ground over there. So let's learn from mistakes that are happening there as well as really guys like wake up, wake up this. I know this looks like it's halfway across the world, but it's not. It's not. It's literally happening right in front of you in your backyard on your computer like it's happening to us right now, and it could drastically change on the turn of a dime. And I hope it doesn't. And that I'm not, again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a doomsdayer, but I'm telling you that it has definitely shown me where my gaps are. So I challenge you to go ahead and go to our blog. And again, I don't want to get political with our stuff. We don't, we don't do that. Survivability is everybody's right. So we're all in this together. And what are the gaps that you have? Go ahead and leave a comment in the blog where you see this podcast and let us know, like, where, where do you have the biggest need? And then if you are out there and you have advice for somebody based upon your experience, not the freaking zoom zombie survival guy bullshit that's, that's out there. I hate that kind of stuff, man. I'm talking about practical advice based upon your own experience, help people out. Help people out in our in our blog. I can tell you that um, you know this has stepped things up for me also. So I, you know, every, as a lot of people have heard over time, like I've I just moved here to Florida from Texas, and it's brought a whole other bunch of challenges with it. And so I've I've had to adjust and adjust my entire survival plan here. And my biggest gap when I start looking at things is in communication. Um. And so I'm looking to take like a local um, ham radio class. I've, I've, it's always mystified me in the past. I've always just worked with two-way radios and that's worked out fine for, for my plan. But now I want a larger network to work with because, because my, my threat has changed now, right? Like for me to evacuate to where I need to go to my planned destinations, I need to go up. This is the worst state I could have. I could have come to in, order to in order to evacuate, right? Like an increase in hurricanes and severity and everything. And then I've just got like, I've got one direction I can go and that's North. And in order to do that, that's going to be a challenging thing if there's a mass exodus out of there. So what I need is a stronger team to be able to like that we can push our way through if need be. And then better communication uh, um, means. So for me, Ham radio is something that I'm looking into right now, but it's something that really do, does mystify me. So I'm very curious about that. If you have, if you guys have any advice in that area to get me started on the right path, I would appreciate any comments that you can leave in the blog there. So I invite you on over there to help me out. Again, we're all in this together. I know what I know. I know, I know the things that I don't know, and I don't know the things that I don't know. Right. And that's, that applies to all of us. There's always the unknown and you don't, you don't know what it is by nature because you don't know. But I think you'll find in the comments that there's going to be things that somebody might say is like, here's my gap and here's why that might surprise you that, oh, I didn't think about that. Yep. That's a gap of mine too. 
And so again, leave your uh, leave your questions and leave your advice in our blog as well over at warriorlife.com. I invite you over there. I look forward to reading them. And until our next Warrior Life podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.